Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. All right, Saints, in this message, we're going to talk about dreams, visions, prophecies, and supposed apparitions or appearings of certain beings. Primarily, Saints, we must realize that Jesus reveals himself to his people in his word and leads them in his New Testament church by his written word as they are led by the Holy Ghost of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, and for instruction in righteousness. Remember that Jesus says that his sheep hear his voice. John chapter 10 verse 16, his sheep individually hear his voice. This is the the passage about Jesus, the great I am, the great, the good shepherd. He's also called the great shepherd of the sheep in Hebrews 13, 20. John 10, though, 16, Jesus tells us that his sheep, his sheep, hear his voice. The point of this message is in no way, by the way, to limit God or foolishly claim that he no longer speaks to his people in dreams, visions, or in the vocal gifts of the Holy Spirit. That would be ridiculous. We call that cessationists, where false teachers teach that all of these things passed away after the apostles, which is heretical. It's absolutely false. We have no statement of such. In fact, we've never needed the power and the gifting of God more than we need it now. There are nine gifts of the Spirit, which are in full operation in this New Testament era. In fact, let me go ahead and read those in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to begin in about verse 7, I believe it is. Verse 7, yeah. With the manifestation of the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, is given to every man to profit with all. These gifts of the Spirit are given to profit, uh, to be a blessing to the body of Christ. If He's using you in any of these gifts, it's not for you, it's for them. It's for his glory to bless his people, period. First Peter also, chapter 4, in verse 10 and 11, notice what the Bible says here. It says, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, those gifts, if they're in you and God has given them to you. It's in order to be a blessing to the other members of the body of Christ. Then he says, if any man speak, let him speak as of the oracles of God. In other words, everything we say must be according to the oracles. That's the written word of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth 
that God, notice this, in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Every gift, everything on this earth that you have at your disposal that God has given you is to be a blessing to others and never to bring attention unduly unto yourself. Okay, so Jesus says that his sheep hear his voice, John 10. Yet today, most of those claiming to be getting words, visions, dreams, and prophecies are not grounded in Christ, and they're not getting anybody else grounded in Christ, which tells you that they're not. That alone tells you they're not grounded in Christ. And most of them make it obvious abundantly by their lack of preaching the essential doctrines of the original gospel, such as Christ's cross, the blood of his cross, Colossians 1.20, judgment, judgment to come. That's Bible language, New Testament, hell, repentance, the holiness of God, the crucified life, etc. Okay, but yet they're not teaching any of that, but oh boy, they're getting words. Oh yeah, they're getting dreams, visions, prophecies, and supposed apparitions. In other words, angels or Jesus appearing to them. But if they're not preaching the original gospel and, and they're not grounded in the doctrines, the cardinal doctrines of the original gospel, folks, you're dealing with a, a false prophet there. And that's what most of them are. Okay, but because what they want to do is they want you to depend on them. They don't want you grounded in Christ through sound doctrine. They want you coming back to their patronizing their ministry, buying their books, coming to their meetings, following their social media accounts, watching their YouTube videos, etc., listening to their podcasts, because after all, they're the ones hearing from God, right? Wrong. They're getting dreams. They get, oh, I've got a word. And you'll notice that those kind of posts that you see on social media and, and YouTube videos get so much attention. Why? Because people just don't want to repent. They love their darkness rather than light. They don't want to get into the word themselves. They want somebody else to tell them all about God and what he is saying. They don't want to hear from God for themselves. That's why they don't get in the Word. And, and so these people are on the broad road, the broad way that leads to destruction. Matthew 17, 7, verse 13 and 14. Dreams, visions, prophecies, and supposed apparitions. That's what we're talking about on this message. Remember Acts 2, 17, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams acts 217 you know it's sad to see how many refer to and base things on their their own dreams or things they claim quote god showed them if you will instead of grounding and founding their own lives in the more sure word of prophecy which is the written holy scriptures according to second peter 1 19 through 21 let's read that it says this what an important passage this is. In fact, I dare you to read this chapter, 2 Peter 1, and not be completely changed. But you're going to have to pay attention and pray before you begin. There's a major revelation dropped in 2 Peter 1. We have also Peter, the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said we have also a more, more, more sure word of prophecy. That's the scriptures. 
whereunto, specifically what he's talking about, the scripture, the written word, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. In other words, the word of God. It's important. You will do well to take to take heed, to devour and walk by the word of God. Remember, the Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It also says the entrance of his words, the written word, giveth light. The word of God is what lights your heart and your path, your feet, your direction, your guidance in this life, beloved. And that's Psalm 119, verse 105 and 130. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. More sure than what? Read the context, precious ones. And what are you going to find? He's talking about how God the Father spoke audibly, literally, to Jesus and the three disciples that he took with them at the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17, Mark 9, when he appeared and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's the voice of the Father speaking. He appeared to them in, with his presence and in an audible voice. But in that context, Peter says, we have a more sure word, something more sure than the audible voice of God. Talk about a mic drop. That's the written word of God he's talking about. Whereunto ye do well that you take heed, that is, to the word of God. He's talking about the exceeding great and precious promises of the Lord. Verse 3 and 4 of this chapter. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Amen. This is a fallen world. The only way to be lit up with Christ and to have your path lit and to have enlightenment in your understanding is by way of the Word of God. There are no shortcuts. When you get into the Word, beloved, the Word is going to get into you and therefore the wisdom of God so that you're able to meditate upon it and judge and view everything through the words of Scripture in your life. We have also a more sure word, a more, more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Jesus is the day star. He is going to arise in your hearts. The manifestation, the revelation of who he is, because he is the grand and the sacred substance and topic and subject of all the Holy Scripture. If you missed what the Bible says about Christ, today when you read God's word, you missed everything. Amen. Father, we ask you to open the eyes of our understanding that we might see Christ, Lord Jesus, in your word. Father, let it be, O God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Then he says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We have authentic, heavenly, divinely authenticated dreams, visions, prophecies, apparitions, instruction, doctrine in what? The scriptures. Everything must be weighed in the balance, tested against Holy Scripture. There's no such thing as a true disciple of Jesus that doesn't hold the written word of God as their final divine authority, saying and declaring with the apostle Paul, let God be true and every man a liar. Beginning with ourselves. Amen. God has spoken, saints, from Genesis to Revelation, and therefore we are without excuse. Romans chapter 1 verse 20. You see, friends, doctrine is more important than gifts. Doctrine and fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, which can only be produced out of an abiding, a born-again abiding relationship with Christ, John 15, etc. So sound doctrine is more important than the gifts of the Spirit. And we're talking about dreams, visions, prophecies, 
and supposed apparitions. Now, we started to read the gifts of the Spirit, didn't we? And I got off course, but it was a good course because it was Bible. Amen. First Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is given to every man to profit with all. To one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. There's the first gift of the Spirit listed here, word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. In other words, I'm not, not going to go into each of these gifts. You can study them. In this message, I'm not going to go into them. But word of wisdom, you have some wisdom from God that could only have been dropped into your spirit by the word of God, by the Spirit of God in your spirit. Everything's always going to line up with the word, by the way, the written word. It's our standard. It is the holy standard. And that will never change. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. That means to be altered. It will never be altered. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119.89, Psalm 89.34 that says that God will never alter his word. Never. Okay, so the word of knowledge is some knowledge you have. I can remember times while ministering where a knowledge would be dropped into my spirit. I'm not talking about standing up behind a pulpit. I'm talking about real life person-to-person ministry. There's one that happened that was profound. I'm trying to remember what it was, but I just knew something that I could have never known other than the Holy Spirit dropped it in my spirit, and I shared it. It was exactly what was needed, and it was true after being tested. Okay, to another faith by the same Spirit. Amen. Increase our faith, Lord, but also Having supernatural faith is apparently one of the gifts of God. Here, now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. But it's also, a super, it can be a supernatural faith that God blesses us to have to bring about his will. Amen. What a great God we serve. To another, the gifts of healing. Notice plural, gifts of healing. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's what Jesus said, folks. If you got a problem with that, you got a problem with him. He said that. But wait a minute, brother. People are missing using to get okay so i'm sorry people misuse cars and vehicles every day they run into things and into people okay so stop using your vehicle if you're going to follow that line of thinking i mean please some people are trying to poison our food up better stop eating, right? No, just eat the right food. Okay, let's get over this throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Never abandon something God says in his word to abuse. Remember that, never abandon to abuse. Don't abandon salvation because some people are perverting it. For example, the Church of Christ says you have to be water baptized to be saved. Absolutely false, absolutely false. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved. It's by grace through faith and repentance there. And as you're repenting, You're turning to God from your own way and putting your faith in Christ. That's when salvation comes. Water baptism is only for those already saved. That's why you got a lot of Church of Christ people. I've met probably hundreds of them that aren't saved. They aren't saved. Why? Because they they were misled to think that the water was going to save them. Again, that's just one example of how salvation is being perverted. So let's go ahead and stop being saved. Let's stop preaching salvation. No, please, please. Let's be more mature than that, saints. Okay, to another faith by the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit. These are the gifts of the Spirit. They're nine of them to another the the gifts of healing by the same spirit to another the working of miracles how many people know god still works miracles the most important one is the born again miracle when he regenerates somebody grants them faith as they turn their heart to him when he calls them and they're born again the miracle of regeneration is always 
always has been and always be the most, will be the most important. In fact, any other miracle is only and usually for the purpose of leading others to Jesus, to be born again, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy. Amen. Foretelling the future. Got to be lined up with the word. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Isaiah 820. Everything must be judged by the word of God. And even when people are given prophecies and, and it's according to the word, I just personally say, Lord, I thank you that you're showing us what you want to show us in your word and by your spirit. I'm staying with the word. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. To another, the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. You ever notice how the Holy Spirit will show you things about people and what spirits control those people to another diverse kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues but all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit holy spirit dividing to every man severally or liberally as he will and again all the gifts of the spirit are for the edification of the body of christ to bless the body of christ never to bring attention to ourselves i mean we got people calling themselves all of these you know prophet apostle i'm sorry those aren't titles folks those are servant functions those are gifts of god to function to serve the body of christ Doctrine is more important than gifts. God's people hear his voice primarily through his word, through the sound doctrine of his word. And that is the instruction in righteousness. It instructs us in the right ways of the Lord, 2 Timothy 3.16. You see, many are willing to give ear to any wolf, wolf or wolfess, so many of them are female, who come along with their staged ministry, who are running their mouth, claiming they're getting words from God, uh, revelation, dreams, visions, promises. And we see that all over social media. But God has given his people dreams since Genesis. It still does today. So we're not negating this. We just read in Acts 2.17, he's going to give dreams and visions, right? Yet a dream in biblical definition is from the Lord and for his glory and purpose, not ours or any other man's. And so a lot of these people are using this as bait to bring you to their ministry so that you listen to and patronize their ministry. They want you dependent on them. That's why they never tell you to get in the word yourself. And even when they do, if they're false, it's only as a decoy to try to give some semblance of authenticity a dream. See, anybody who's not grounding you in the word of God is suspect. You don't need people. You don't need any ministry or minister. You need Jesus. So do I. And the only way you're going to get connected to Jesus and be grounded in Christ and protected against the great judgments that are coming in the earth now so that you're not shaken, but you're rooted and grounded. You're founded on the rock. You're ever more so deeply and soundly rooted and grounded in Christ. It's by the word of God, you in the word of God. Nothing happens of any depth until you get in the word of God. The word of God is not going to get into you until you get into it. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. First Peter 2 verse 2. You see a dream, a gift, vision, or prophecy from God is not for the self-serving purposes and agenda of men and women who are not crucified with Christ. How many of these people that are giving you these words are getting you in the word and telling you that Jesus commands you to die and let him live in your life? Huh? How many of them? How about zero? They're false. Any minister that's not teaching you to get into the word or to be crucified with Christ, which is a non-negotiable essential of the original gospel, is a false teacher. 
Doesn't matter what else they're doing. And how are you going to know these things I just told you unless you're in the Word yourself? Jesus said, for example, in Luke 9, 23 and 24, also Matthew 10, 38, 39, etc., John 12, 23 through 25, he said, you got to die. You got to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. That's the only way your life in Christ is going to work. When he's raising you up out of that death and burial posture, you got to relegate yourself to surrender. Not, don't try harder. Just die deeper. Slay down your life and say, Lord, take me up and have your will in my life. Do your will in me, God. Cleanse me. Purge me. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting, O oh God. I'm all yours, Jesus, and I know you're all mine. You must increase, but I must decrease. Not my will, but thine be done. Amen. That's all scripture. That's all scripture straight out of the original gospel. Are you following Christ on his terms, precious one, or something else? Perhaps we can say honestly that every one of us is convoluted. We still have some things in there that aren't washed away and that are false notions and philosophies, you know, that float around that we've heard all our lives and still here because we haven't had them yet washed out of us by the water of the word, Ephesians 5.26. That's the process and the action that's going on right now in those who are being readied to meet Jesus. They're being washed by the water of the word. They're not following anything but the word of God. When they see something that differs from what they previously believed, they repent. Remember, the word of God has given us for correction, correction, correction. And we were seeing so many teachable, godly men who immediately see the difference between what they state and presently believe when the word of God's brought up to their attention, they say, oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for correcting me. Amen. That's what the godly man does. He immediately owns up to the word of God. He has no pride in what he believes because he's crucified with Christ and he just wants to be right with God and to believe according to what God states. Paul said, beware lest any man spoil. That means ruin you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments or the thinking of the world and not after Christ. That is not after the word. So we see many boasting of a dream, gift, or vision today and not getting people in the Word, not always pointing to the final divine authority of the Word of God, not uh, grounding people to know that the Word of God is is final divine authority, that every dream and vision they're giving must be tested against the Word of God. Why aren't they doing that? They don't want to be exposed. They're not interested in grounding you in Christ. They're doing their own bidding. They have their own agenda, man. But, oh, wait a minute. She walks around in a flowing long dress and the wind's blowing on from the fans they plugged in over inside the stage. The music and the, the, the vocals are booming. It's got to be of God, right? Wrong, wrong. In fact, Jesus himself said, beware those who, uh, you know, stand on the street corner and shout. Those who wear long robes, those who emphasize and have to get all, all the trimmings looking good. You, that's got to be suspect right away. Many see, many view these people, that is, as true because they're boasting of a dream, a gift, a vision, and yet they're self-glorying. We must beware, saints. The words dream or dreams are found nearly 100 times in the Bible, and mostly in a positive way. Joseph dreamed, Daniel dreamed, Ezekiel dreamed, the New Testament Joseph dreamed, Peter dreamed, and the list goes 
on and on. In fact, I was reading this morning in Acts chapter 16, where a vision appeared to Paul in the night, it says. There stood a man of Macedonia. Notice a vision. I guess that's the same thing as a dream when you're sleeping, right? A vision is simply a dream, right? Well, you sleeping. Okay. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. Acts 16 verse 9. God still gives visions to his people. We are not negating that reality. Yet we are in this message saying that any dream, any supposed apparition in the Catholic Church is full of apparitions, but they don't check out biblically. None of them. Dreams, vision, it's got to be tested against the Word of God. It must be gospel and Christ-centric, centered upon Christ and according to His Word and for His glory. So God still does give these dreams and vision, yet it's for His gospel, His divine purpose, to establish His people in His divine truth, His kingdom truth. There is a difference between most visions, quote-unquote, from God, claimed today and what we see in God's Word. So beware. Test everything against the Word of God. Remember, 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try or test the spirit to see whether they are of God. For many false prophets are going out out into the world. So notice in this vision that Paul got a a man, there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed or requested of Paul saying, quote, come over into Macedonia and help us. Now, what is the context there? Well, come help us, help us establish the saints in the kingdom of Christ and the truth of God. Help us in this biblical context meant to come and preach the word to us. Remember in chapter 15 of Acts, the previous chapter to this chapter 16, the apostles got together and determined and solidified and ascertained what the Lord had showed them to be essential and not essential for believers, that they are saved by grace through faith. They don't have to come up under the law. So in Macedonia, he was crying out. The Holy Spirit was showing, gave Paul a vision of a man, obviously a man of God, saying, please come over or come over to Macedonia and help us. And that in context, again, is help us to establish God's people in his kingdom truth. Most who are claiming visions and dreams and words from God today are not simply preaching and teaching God's word because they are utterly false. And this is how we know they are false. They're not, again, they're not teaching you to get in the word, to follow Jesus for yourself because his sheep hear his voice, to walk in the spirit, to live a crucified life. Jesus taught us that those that hear his written word and obey him in it, build their house on the rock, which will never be moved away. It will stand forever. And only those who walk in obedience to God, that's what true faith does. It's it's always going to be obedient. If you see somebody that says they have faith and they don't have good works, James chapter 2, that's an absolute fraud. That person's completely deceived. And that's what we have in America. We have so many people that have been lied to that they're once saved, always saved. And so they therefore take no personal responsibility to seek to know God, to walk with Jesus, to be ready to meet him, to live a crucified life because they believe that lie. And it's guess what? It's 100 percent their fault. Because we have a Bible and none of us have an excuse. God's not going to say, well, when you get to stand before God, first of all, 
Uh, he's not going to say, or you're not, you can't say to him, well, Lord, I listened to the pastor. Jesus is going to say, I told you that most pastors are going to be false. Many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Notice many and many, not a few, many. By deduction, we know that most people in ministry leadership are absolutely false. And the more you get into the word of God, the more you're going to see that and the less you're going to have in common with what that which calls itself the church today. Amen. The church is simply the called out people of God walking organically daily in the spirit with Christ, learning that cross life. Uh, they don't wait till Sunday morning to go show up at the local country club circus that's called the church and patronize a false prophet. They walk with him daily. That's what the New Testament way is. Read the book of Acts. Read the Gospels. They didn't go to church once a week. In fact, in the book of Acts, they couldn't get enough of Jesus after Pentecost. The Spirit was poured out and they couldn't get enough. They met house to house daily. Amen. And you got folks running around impressed with themselves because they go to church on Sunday. Please, when's the last time they led somebody to Jesus? When's the last time on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, they prayed for somebody and they're busy about the fathers? You tell me how many church members you know who are on fire for Jesus every day. And that'll tell you exactly what you need to know. That's the fruit of the modern church. So self-serving people are lazy. Therefore, they they refuse to seek the Lord in his written word for themselves. They want somebody else, again, to give them a vision, a dream, and all of this stuff. So instead, that's what they do. They rely on uh, somebody else's word. Again, go look at the, the likes and the comments the numbers of people that follow these type of frauds that are all over social media, you'll be blown away. It's sad. Why? They're not grounded in the Word of God themselves. They want somebody else hearing from God for them. They've handed their souls to the devil is what they've done. So they look for a dream, a word, a philosophy, a vision from mere men. And some of these folks are very slick talking, but those that are deceived by them are simply not valiant for the truth. Let me tell you, if you say you got a word, I'm not impressed, man. Sorry, brother, sister, or false prophet. I'm not impressed. I got the word from God. Why would I be impressed that you supposedly have a word? Anytime any man says they have a word, it's it's subjective. You got to weigh it out against scripture. But those that are not valiant for the truth are going to be sent strong delusion from God. Okay. And they're going to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. Boom. That's all scripture right there. Jeremiah 9, 3 speaks of being valiant for the truth. Are you, my friend, valiant for the truth? Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. Not lack of access to the knowledge, but lack of knowledge. Also, 2 Thessalonians 2, 10 through 12, strong delusion is going to come to those who don't receive the love of the truth, which is the word of God. And if you do receive it, you'll be devouring it. That's how you receive it. All who run around looking for or give ear to pathetic, self-appointed, self-proclaimed, prophetic, quote-unquote, anytime you see prophetic, usually it's going to be the NAR, New Apostolic Reformation cult. Whenever you hear, you know, God's, pour, I saw one yesterday, God's pouring out powerful prophetic anointing. Yeah. Right. Not in the sense that he's pouring out his spirit and those who do exploits are going to be those that know him, that know God. And they're ground. Anybody who knows God is seeking his face and his word daily. Okay, so we have these so-called prophetic witches and warlocks. They're the ones usually dishing out. I, I call them witches and warlocks. And that's really in biblical definition what they are. They're controlling the people. They're usurping the place that belongs to Christ who created 
and was crucified for them. Tell you what, you want judgment to come on you? Go ahead and put yourself between Jesus and, and anyone, your husband, your wife, a friend, a family member. You're operating in witchcraft and on the abundant revelation of God's word. I'm telling you, you're under divine judgment and you need to repent. Okay, if you look up Nico, N-I-C-O, just put in Nico because you might not be able to spell Nicolaitanes. That's a bunch of witchcraft and control over God's asserted and wielded over God's people. We got an abundance of good stuff. Let's see, podcasts, written texts, etc. Jesus said he hated the deeds and doctrines of the Nicolaitanes. Nico means conquer. Laetanes means the people. Beware, saints, of the Nicolaitanes among us, those who want to usurp, hold unwarranted control and influence over the lives of others. God gave man free will. He's not chasing down anybody to serve him. They choose to do it or they're going to be damned. And anybody trying to uh, preside over somebody else's life, manipulate and control him is a witch or a warlock. And that's what these self-proclaimed, self-appointed, pathetic, prophetic witches and warlocks are doing. They're dishing out words. And it's not the word of God. And God has turned them over to strong delusion. And also those who follow them, they're being deceived and they're going to be damned. Why? Because they received not the love of the truth. Second Thessalonians 2 verses 9 through 12. The Lord tells you to get into his word for yourself. Remember, study to show thyself approved. You do it approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It takes work. Notice a workman. Isn't it interesting how many most who claim to know Jesus have no desire and don't apply any diligence to knowing him? The only way you can do that is through his word. Oh, they got time, time, energy, and money to go spend on everything under the sun on non-essential non-eternal frivolity and yet not to get they don't spend that same energy god gave to get to know him and on judgment day he's going to say depart from me you you cursed into everlasting fire prepare for the devil and his angels why they did their own thing i believe we can deduce that he's basically going to say you didn't want to get to know me in your earthly life so i'm going to go ahead and give you that thing that you desired for eternity separated from me the bible says that the bride of christ is making herself ready Revelation 19, beginning in verse 7. And boy, just put the word bride into the search box on safeguardyoursoul.com. And man, we got some exciting stuff on that message. The body of Christ is the bride and Jesus is the bridegroom. We got the scenario that Jesus paints there in Matthew 25, 1 through 13 of wise and foolish virgins all around us. The foolish virgins are not filling up daily on the word of God and walking in the spirit, fellowshipping with the Lord, knowing him better better, just like a bride does, that's engaged as that scenario is in Matthew 25, that there was an engagement. There was spouse to be married to the bridegroom. Now, you tell me if you've ever seen something more precious than a woman who's engaged to a man and all other suitors, if you will, are blocked out. She's got her eyes on that man that she wants to marry and that wants to marry her. And she's not letting anything come in between them. That's the bride of Christ, folks. That's the remnant bride of Christ as we look for the soon return of our Lord Jesus Christ, as he promised, allowing nothing, looking not to the left hand or to the right, removing our foot from evil, all evil, Proverbs. We're setting our affections on things above, not on the things of the earth. But Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, and it's to them that are crucified with him, by the way, verse 3, Colossians 3, 1 through 4, that he's coming. And 
And that's what it says right there in verse four, isn't it? Sure is. Listen to this. Colossians three, verse four. When Let's read from verse one through four. If, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which what are above. See, ungodly people, quote, mind earthly things. Philippians 3, 18 and 19. But godly people set their affection on things above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of the Father. We seek those things which are above. Set your affection on things above, verse 2, not on things on the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. That's the cross. You crucify anybody that's ready to meet him is crucified with him. You see, it's somebody saying, man, I've never even hardly heard that. Well, that right there further underscores how many false prophets we have. Not everybody, but most claiming to be serving the Lord and leading in the way of righteousness are not teaching you the cross because they're not taking it up themselves. They're not walk, which means they're not walking with Jesus. You can't do it outside of the way he prescribed. Luke 9, 23, 24. If you're going to follow me, you got to deny yourself. Deny yourself. Don't esteem and pamper yourself and draw attention to yourself. No, for self-glory and self-appoint yourself as some prophet or prophetic person. Deny yourself. Shut up and die and let the Lord raise you up. And that's when the that's when the power of God's going to erupt in and through your life and only as you stay dead and buried. And that's the people that are going to be really used of God authentically in this late hour. They that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And by the way, any exploit done in biblical definition is bringing glory to God, not the mere messenger. So when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, verse 4, then shall ye, who's ye, also appear with him in glory. Ye are those that are dead and their lives are hid with Christ in God. The previous words, verse 3, their affection is set on things above, on Christ, not on the things of this world. And that's how it is with the true bride of Christ. She allows nothing that would interrupt her relationship with the bridegroom she desires to be married to. Listen, we're engaged, Paul said, espoused to Christ. We're not married to him yet. That's not till we get there. Okay, you got to be a faithful fiance, if you will. To ma- How many men are going to marry a woman that's got eyes for other men, consorting with other men after they got engaged to him? No good man's going to marry that woman. He's going to break the engagement, much less the holy son of God marrying a bride that's not being submitting to him and being washed by the water of his word. He's coming back for a bride that's what? Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Boy, people don't like this kind of stuff. Though. They don't like this kind of preaching because this is too Bible intense, if you will, that he might sink. Jesus gave himself for the church, right? Ephesians 5, beginning of verse 25. He gave himself for it. And men are the husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And he gave, Jesus gave himself for it to purchase it, that he might what? Sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Like we were talking about earlier, the true body of Christ is, that's a remnant. It is a little flock, Luke 12, 32. That's what Jesus said. He didn't say it was a big flock. It's a little flock. Few there be which enter therein. That is, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way to lead to destruction. And many, many, many there be which go in there at. But straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. And who are those few? There be. They're bought by the blood. Verse 25. Verse 26, Ephesians 5. They're being washed. They're being sanctified. That's what holy means. Set apart to the Lord. Sanctified. And cleansed by the washing of water by the word. Now, how is that going to be happening if somebody's not in the word, meditating on the word, and walking in the word? It's not. It's not happening in anybody that's not in the Word. If you're not in the Word every day, you've already backslidden. Jesus died for the church. 
church that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Notice what's going on in the life of every true disciple that's ready to meet Jesus. They're being washed in the word of God that he might present up. Oh, here we go. How is this church going to, who is this church that's going to be presented to Jesus? Listen closely, verse 27, as we finish this passage and pop back to our other main topic and finalize this message, that he might, what, present it to himself a, here it is, what kind of church is Jesus coming back for? Is he going to present to himself a glorious church? not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. In other words, having no sin. But brother, are you saying we have to be sinless? Well, why would you have sin in your life if you could easily just confess it, repent, return to the Lord and confess it? I'm sorry, whose fault is that? Yours. So if you die with one sin in your life, notice without blemish. How many sins did it take Lucifer to be kicked out of heaven? Just one. How many sins did it take for Adam and Eve to be kicked out of the presence of God? Just one. One is as good as a million. A million's as good as one. Why? Because God is holy, holy, holy. Boom. There it is. Isaiah 6.3, Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. Okay, so notice, let's read that passage while we're at it. We mentioned it a couple of times here in the last few minutes. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12. Even him whose coming is that this is about the return of Christ, this whole chapter. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. That's the Antichrist, the beast, you know, the end times coming to fruition with the man of sin being revealed. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and in them that perish. Why are they going to perish? Why are they going to be moved about by Satan's false prophets? Here it is. Because they individually. See, there's always a cause, cause and effect. Something caused it because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. There's so many people that are twiddling their thumbs, playing around on social. You got time and energy to do every and anything under the sun, anything of frivolity, except get in the word and get the word in them. So they didn't receive the love of the truth during peacetime that they might be saved. So that's why they're going to be deceived. See, he's going to have all power and signs and lying wonders. And we see, you know, that manifested in a measure through these warlocks and witches, these prophetic frauds we're talking about here that are given out all of these words and supposed miracles and visions and apparitions. And the people that are deceived by them are because they don't receive and therefore devour the word of God and love it. Their lives are not grounded on the word of God. Therefore, they're built on sand instead of the rock of Christ, Matthew 7. And they're not going to be saved for this cause that is because they don't love the truth. God, notice, God is going to send them what? God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. He's going to help them believe a lie. He takes it personal when you don't love his word. That they all might be damned, they're going to hell, who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Interesting. Notice Jeremiah 23, 16. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets, that's the false prophets, that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. Interesting. That was Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 16. And then take a look here. Jeremiah 23, 26. He's exposing false leaders in Jeremiah 23. I tell you what, you need to make that your meat because he gives a lot of details and tells on these 
these filthy devils that Satan's using. How many people know Satan has ministers, human ministers? He sure does. Second Corinthians 11, 12 through 15 tells us just that. Then he says, Jeremiah 23, 26, how long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart. Amen. That's the same thing he said in Philippians chapter 3. When he said their God is their belly, they mind earthly things. Notice their God is their belly and they mind earthly things. They're all about self. For many, he says, many, not not a few, many. You, you notice that when the Bible's addressing false prophets, it's always saying many, but not once does it say many concerning true prophets or true servants, disciples of Christ. For many of whom I have told you often, Paul warned often about false prophets, and any good under shepherd is going to do that. Period. Paul did three things to secure the body of Christ, to protect them so that they're ready to meet Christ. He preached, warned, and taught. PWT, Colossians 1.28. Preach, warn, teach. Preach, warn, teach. PWT, preach, warn and teach. Let's use this example as I often do. If you're a father, if you're a mother, why do you keep your children away from danger, such as you keep them away from the street where cars are going by? Because you what? Love them. Love always protects. Remember that. Philippians 3, 18 and 19, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, Paul really loved the body of Christ, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. They're the enemies of the cross. That's why they don't teach it because they're not in the cross. They're not walking and living the crucified life themselves. They're enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end, what, what lies ahead of them and everybody who follows them, whose end is destruction, whose God is what they're belly. They live to please their carnal appetites and whose glory is in their shame, who mind, they glory in those things they should be ashamed of. They're just reveling in this stuff. Who mind earthly things. Okay, say so in this message, we're basically exhorting you. By the way, the written text on this message on safeguardyoursoul.com is going to have a lot more biblical truth in it. And it's titled Dreams, Visions, Prophecies, and Supposed Apparitions. All you got to do is put in the word dreams into the search box, and it's going to come up. Our dear sister, Debbie Lord has read through this. She does great editing work for this ministry. What a blessing. And she said this, this was her comment on this text, part of this message, the biblical truth. She says, thank you for the article or the post titled Dreams and Visions. So good, especially where you contrast seeking after your destiny with seeking to be crucified with Christ and raised with him. Excellent. Amen. All right, saints, this is something we should desire, we should seek after is to be crucified with Christ, to be grounded in his word for ourselves. Nobody else can get into the word of God for you or me. And so we're kept from these false dreams, these false visions and apparitions. There are false dreams. Did you know that? Jeremiah 23, there it is again, Jeremiah 23, behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, quote unquote, false dreams, underline it in your Bible, false dreams. There are true dreams as the one we saw where Paul, Acts 16, 9, got that vision while he was sleeping. 
in the night from the Lord. That's a true dream. But there's also false dreams, and Jeremiah the prophet is telling us that by the mere mention of those two words together. And he says, God says, behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams. See, there can't be a counterfeit in until there's something real. In other words, you're never going to see a counterfeit $3 bill because we don't have them in our economy. But you will find counterfeit, what, $1, $10, $5, $100, $1,000 bills. Why? Because there is the authentic, and therefore the enemy, the thief, creates counterfeits of the authentic. Behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and do tell them and cause my people to err, go into error by their lies, by their lightness, by their lies and by their lightness. You ever notice that about these new apostolic reformation warlocks and witches? Everything's all fun and games. There's nothing about dying to yourself. There's no reconciliation with the original gospel, folks. No Bible-believing student and disciple is going to go in the midst of those circuses and not see right through that sham. There's no crucified life. There's no getting grounded in the Word of God, humbling yourself and uh, receiving rebuke and walking in the truth down the straight the straight gate that leads to life. Except none of that's in there. None of the stuff we're talking about in this message from the Bible is going to be found among these false movements and false prophets that are self-appointed apostles and prophets. Then he says, yet I sent them not. Notice how we know them, by their lies and by their lightness, frivolity. It's all fun and games, ain't it? Yeah, they want to keep the, the wheels moving. They want to keep the circus rings, uh, wheels turning. That's how the money continues to flow. When Jesus preached, he ran 5,000 men off, right? John 6, after he gave them food for their stomach, their carnal temporal appetites, which is not bad, obviously, but they walked away because they didn't like what he said. And that's what happens when you preach the cross. You're going to limit your audience, but your audience is going to be true, authentic. The little flock Jesus spoke about, Luke 12, 32. Yet I sent them not nor commanded them. See, God did send these people. All these people on social media, I've got a vision. The Lord showed me a dream. You know, every day or every few days, they got to have some kind of vision. Why can't they just give you God's vision straight from the Word of God? Because that doesn't draw attention to them. It draws attention to the Lord. Oh, Contrast that with Paul, who said, we preach not ourselves, but Christ, and ourselves are your servants for Christ's sake. It's time to be crucified with Christ, saints, and get out of the way. Get out of the way and let Christ alone be magnified, because he's the only one worthy of the worship of everybody on the earth of which he created and died to save. And if you get in the way, you're going to be in big trouble. You already are if you're in the way. Paul said that he did not come to the Corinthians with excellency of speech. He came to them in trembling ruins. Why? So that their faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, mere men like himself, but in the power of God so they could know him themselves to seek his face. See, that's what true under shepherds do. They uphold the head, Jesus. Colossians 2, 18 and 19, they uphold Christ, the head of the body. Yet I sent them not, nor commanded them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all. So all dreams are not from God, saints. We got dreams that are of God, and we got dreams that are not of God in the Bible. Right here, he says, these false prophets, Jeremiah 23, 32, prophet, quote, prophesy false dreams. They're true and false dreams. 
You got to discern and become dependent on the Lord and the word of the Lord, not dreams. God understands that. If he wants you to know about a dream, he'll get it to you. But really, you're believing something because it's according to the written word, not because it was in the dream format. So we do see dreams from Genesis to Revelation, some true, some false. Most of them in the Bible are true. Many of them we see today are false, in my estimation. Yet the Lord says there are false dreams, which are those which contradict revealed truth, that is, the written word. As we just read in Jeremiah 23, I want you to get into that chapter, put your seatbelt on before you start. Let me tell you, apparently people can conjure up their own dreams based on envisions and, you know, all of these things, like words they come up with based on their evil, their own evil imaginations in their own hearts. Listen to this, Jeremiah 29, verse 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. Is that not exactly what his message is predicated on? We are warning you to not let the false prophets and diviners, the witches and warlocks among us, deceive you. That's exactly the, the framework of this whole message. Like I said earlier, if a man's not warning you, he's a wolf. He doesn't care to protect you. It's quite interesting that the only thing they war- false prophets warn about is not warning. Why don't they want people warning and discerning? Because they don't want to be exposed, man. Their gig will be up if they get exposed. If somebody pulls back the curtain on them and shines light on their darkness, that is the light of truth, the word of God. So let not, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets, do not let them. Remember, believe not every spirit. First John 4, 1. If you believe everybody that comes along, you're disobeying God. He said, believe not every spirit. In other words, there's going to be false ones. You got to test them. First John 4, 1. Let not your prophets and and your diviners that be in the midst of you, in the middle of you. They're not on the outside. They're right on the middle of that which claims to be the church. Don't let them deceive you. Neither hearken to your dreams, which ye cause to be dreamed. Hmm. So so you can do some more study on this. But in this verse, in in, uh, Jeremiah 29, 8, God tells us here, don't even, don't hearken to the dreams of the false prophets. And also, you better not hearken to the dreams that you cause to be dreamed. Wow. It's been a while since I looked into that one. You might want to do a little dive on that one. If it seems as though it does on the surface, we got to be careful of our own dreams. Amen. If your dream isn't making known Jesus Christ and him crucified, you don't have God's dream at all, man. You're walking into delusion. You're a self-serving counterfeit who God's calling to die to yourself, lay down your life and follow Jesus from now until you're with him. If not, you're not going to be with him. Dreams are used by wolves to deceive prey. Notice this, Jeremiah 23, 25 through 27. I have heard that the prophet said that prophesy lies in my name saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, which think cause my people forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor, as their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal, unquote, Jeremiah 23, 25 through 27. So remember, dreams are used, we see here, by wolves to deceive the people, their prey. And those not grounded in the word of God will be deceived. The written word, we are told, is more divinely authoritative than the actual voice of the Father speaking audibly from heaven. You will do well to pour prayerfully over this this chapter that we 
quoted from and read from and talked about earlier. Second Peter 1, Second Peter chapter 1. Let's finish with destiny. Let's talk about destiny. Lots of fulfill your destiny type themes. You know, they throw that out there and it's like bait, like a lure, like you're throwing a lure out to catch a fish. You got to deceive the fish into thinking that's actually going to be good food for him, yet there's a hook hidden in it. Hello, okay, there's a hook in all this stuff we're talking about here. Lots of, there's so much of this quote-unquote fulfill your destiny type themes and, you know, buzzwords and phrases in the modern church, and they're there to lure, to lure in the gullible. In fact, the Bible says they allure through the lust of the flesh. You remember that verse, Second Peter chapter 2? Yeah, in fact, Second Peter 2 is all about false teachers and false prophets, and all who follow them are going to be damned. They make merchandise of you. That's the first three verses of Second Peter 2. Notice this, verse 18 of Second Peter 2. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, mm, notice, with good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple, Romans 16, 17, and 18. Right here, he's Peter, the apostle, by the inspiration of the Spirit, says that the false prophets and false teachers speak great swelling words of vanity. Why? They allure through the lust of the flesh. So who does that tell us is going to be caught by that lore, is going to go after that lore, those who don't have the flesh crucified? Notice, they allure, through, they allure, they draw you in, they seduce you through the lust of the flesh. But if you crucify with Christ, up comes the shield of faith, boom, to quench that fiery daughter of the enemy. Amen. Because you're not in this life to fulfill what pleases your flesh. You're here to serve the Savior. You're not a celebrity. You're a servant. Get off your high horse before God knocks you off of it, like perhaps he did Paul, the road to Damascus. So when they speak great swelling words of vanity, why are they doing this? They allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those who were clean escape from them who live in error. So we're going to escape from those who live in error by walking in the protection of God. And the only way you can do that is obey him and be crucified with Christ. Amen. That's what Paul said. I am crucified with Christ. That means you don't have all these dreams and aspirations of worldly things. No, your dream and aspiration is to make Christ known, to walk with him, to glorify Jesus, to be as Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Galatians 2.20. Anybody not living that crucified life is not fulfilled. They're miserable. They're shamed. They're full of guilt. They're living in sin. The wages of sin is death, and they're headed for hell. How's that sound for success? Not very good, huh? That's the bottom line of it. Again, so beware of those who talk about fulfilling your destiny. That's usually, yeah, you, yeah, you know what you're predestined to be? is conformed to the image of Christ, Romans 8, 29 to be crucified with Christ. And so many of these people that are luring through the lust of flesh, all of them are enemies of the cross of Christ. They're not conformed to Christ's crucified image. They're luring you in to the same rebellion that they're in. It's all self-centered. It's not Christ-centered. If it were according to the original gospel, the destiny would be recognized as living the crucified life, consenting to the death and burial of self, of the self-life, so that Christ could reign. Amen. That's how the gospel works in your personal life. 
every day in no other way. There's no shortcut. We've got a daily cross category on the drop down menu on the desktop version, daily cross. Just look up D. It's alphabetically listed. If not, if you're on the mobile version, just after safeguardyoursoul.com, just put forward slash daily dash cross and you'll find a wealth, a cash of great podcasts and text, biblical truth on the crucified life. Let me just say this, friend. Your life is going nowhere good if you're not going to own up to what God called you to do, to die to yourself. That's why you're in the misery you are now. I know I live that way for most of my Christian life. Let me let me just say this, man. You people that are taking up the cross, you know as well as I do that you're going, wow, look at this. You're like, man, why didn't I Why didn't I receive this message years ago? I wasted so much time. This is how God always intended us to live in Christ, raised up by Christ, who is the resurrection and the life, John 11, 25. And he only raises up that which is bowed down in death and burial, Romans 6, Psalm 145, 14, etc. God's not going to raise up anybody who's not dead and buried. Why would he? If you're still being propelled by self-will, full of self, God doesn't force anybody to obey him. If you'll lay down your life, if you'll humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he will lift you up. So beware of these crossless heresies and the wolves who peddle them, who are the enemies of the cross of Christ, Philippians 3, 18 and 19. And so I would say this, you got people that you're listening to that are not preaching the crucified life, not preaching the original gospel that begins when you repent and believe on Christ. And then from there, it's a denial of self, taking up the cross, following. They're not preaching the original gospel and you still can't see they're false. This is pretty ridiculous, folks. So many seek their own vision and destiny. There is no cross in it. They're alluring you with good words and fair speeches, as Paul warned, to continue in the flesh and to somehow think that, you know, you're going to accomplish this big destiny on the earth, all self-serving. Jesus was fully submitted to his father, whereas most who use these buzzwords today are not also preaching the original gospel, which includes at front and center, the essential cross, the crucified life. These who chase destiny are missing the cross. They've traded the the cross for destiny, destiny that's not God's destination for them or predestination for them. They want the the crown, but not the cross. You're not going to get the crown the heavenly crown without the cross, because you can't overcome sin without the cross. And if you die in sin, you're separated from God, you're going to hell because the wages of sin is still death. By the way, God hadn't changed. He's holy, holy, holy. That's not only an attribute of God, that's his nature. No other, nothing in the Bible says in triplicate, not even once, much less twice, who God is. But he says in Isaiah 6, 3, Revelation 4, 8, that he's holy, holy, holy. That's not going to change. Those who chase their destiny are missing the cross, which is central to the God gospel, friend. Running around trying to fulfill your destiny is not of God. Laying down our lives, death and burial assures us that God, not us, is leading and raising us up to do his will. Amen. As Jesus said in Gethsemane, and as we close, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Are you willing to stop your life today and just have a come to Jesus meeting? By the way, the original, the initial come to Jesus meeting was only the first, beloved. We have need of repenting and returning to the Lord all the way through our Christian life. But yet it should be less and less. There should be less intermittency, if you will, inconsistencies 
Jesus came to die and sent us to die. And if we don't, we are not following him. Seeking our own destiny is the antithesis of dying. It's completely self-serving. We must say with John the Baptist, Lord, you must increase, but I must decrease. Again, we must say with our Lord and Savior, who is our example and our master, not my will, Lord, but thine be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of Saints and sinners are being reached every month, and your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site, and you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon, and you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so, and a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. 